Welcome to A Handful of Hope, where we bring you heart-to-heart conversations with heart-centered people. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of A Handful of Hope. I am so happy and grateful to have Susan Mead with us today, who is a master storyteller and award-winning best-selling author. She leaves audiences motivated to live a life free of regrets, even though she has done the hardest thing any parent can do, bury her youngest son, Kyle. Susan has been described as a solid, comforting voice in a messy world. Whether speaking to business professionals, women's conferences, industry leaders, or writers' workshops, Susan's insightful wisdom inspires audiences, empowering them to make healthy mental U-turns to help them find the calm in the chaos. Susan, welcome and thank you so very much for being here. Jesse, it's such an honor to be here. I'm so thrilled to to finally make it here. <laughs> yeah, me too. We just, just for everybody's edification, we've had to do a couple of reschedules because of furry, furry friend doctor appointments and storms and TV shows and whatnot. And we stuck with it and here we are. This is the fourth or the fifth time's a charm for us. <laughs> it's life, isn't it? <laughs> it really is. It really is. And we were talking a little bit beforehand, Susan, and I asked you, I asked you a question of, is there anything on your heart that you want to make sure we cover today? And you answered the power of love. And I was hoping that you can expand first on, on what that phrase means, because I feel like that phrase is a phrase that means so many different things for so many people. And for some, I don't know if they've even explored the, the depth or the actual identity of what it means. And so let's maybe start there with you just explaining what it means to you. You know, when I, when I think about power and love, you, I have to separate those words, truly. Where's the power? But I'm going to set power aside for a moment. And I'm going to look at love because, you know, there's, love is just what makes this world go round. We've heard so many beautiful things about love. But here's what I know. There's this ancient book that says love is patient. Love is kind. Love is never angry. Love is all these things. And there's so many days that I'm so far from every one of those things. Mm. I'm impatient. I'm unkind. I have all these, I want to talk about me and boast and do all these other things. But that's when it's about me. And love is about the other person. Can you be patient with someone else? Can you be kind? with someone else are you going to talk about their needs or your needs what's your agenda and how can you unite and i think that's when the power part combines with what love is is what we're truly looking at how can we collaborate to make this work so that we can be patient and kind to each other so that we can truly tend to each other's needs so that we can work together and so that calm can prevail in the midst of a chaotic world i have to share susan that what as you were just talking you just gave me a, an epiphany that i've has been 13 years in the making oh yes in 2007 i went through my first breakup broken heart and so much of that pain was not so much the end of the relationship, but it was, it was exposing my own wounds that I had never healed. And I made this kind of what I was calling a wall of 
building myself up the wall of healing and I had all these affirmations and images and a vision board and whatnot. And one of the ones I had up there was that verse from the Bible and it's first Corinthians you know, 13. Yes. And I had the whole thing up there and I remember, so what I would do is every day I would eat my cereal and I would stand there and read through everything on the wall. I have never considered that phrase, that piece of scripture, as it being about someone else, because my association to it was of, of in this painful place of self-healing. So it was almost like a service of self. And when I'm hearing you talk, there's literally just a light bulb moment went on and going, holy moly, no wonder I was in, I was stuck in this cycle of perpetuating pain for so long because I kept looking at me and how do me get out? How do I get me out? How do, and it was always me, I, me, I, me, I. And I never connected that what those words were really saying was, is how can I love this way so deeply of others without the ex, that expectation almost, right? Without that, that necessitation of it being reciprocated. It's, it's like the, God, yeah, that just, <laughs> I gotcha. That got me, you know, we're what, what, a minute and 82 seconds into this? And you... <laughs> wow. Well, I'll tell you what, that's a good thing. Yeah, good... it is. And so I, I, I think that's so fascinating. And, and it's something where love is such a, it's such an interesting topic because it's, <clears throat> it's the thing I think that we all want. And I think it's the thing that from all, I think, dysfunction, anger, hatred, those types of things, it originates from the absence right. or lack of, right? And it seems that, so maybe I guess a place to start would be then how do we start with that selfless kind of love, especially right now in a time when I feel like so many of us are feeling the pinch of a, a perception of an absence of love. Ooh, that's a really good question because with all this time for introspection, it's all about me. Yes. And that's where so many of us have been is it's about me. And I think love is that outflow and the overpouring. And you know, when, when I read so much, my doctorate is titled the power of love. So I guess that's why that came out of my, my mouth because that's what I spent two years working on reading through and one of the the words that stuck with me jesse as i was studying that is the verse that says god is love hmm. and there's so many of us that don't know who god is or it's a little g god instead of god creator of all things but if god is love and we don't know him then is love present as it's designed to be? And how can we know love if we don't know God who is the epitome and the definition of love? So that, that begs a deep question as to who are you and whose are you? Hmm. Are you a child of God who's been loved on and know? that you are loved, so deeply loved. You know, and if, if someone is unfamiliar with 
with reading the Bible or reading scripture and says that's an old dusty book to read out. No, uh, -uh. they're available in new current colors and big <laughs> strips so you can read it. <laughs> Doesn't have to be dusty. But I think it's so important to find the passion translation or the voice or the message are written in today's language so it's easy to read. If I pick up the King James Version or some of the other ones with these and thous, I don't have a clue. And I got a doctorate in theology, you know? So we have to find something that resonates with us. And if somebody says, but I don't even know where to start, start at Psalm 100, you know? It says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Thanksgiving and praise. We know how to do that. We like Thanksgiving and we can sing. <laughs> Some of some of us think we can sing, especially when we're in the cars all by ourselves. <laughs> That's the only place I can sing because I need a big bucket to carry a tune in. <laughs> yeah, not good. That's not my forte. But if we start exploring, well, who is God? He says, seek me and you'll find me and he'll tell you. And I think that is a great place to start. If there really is a God, Ask him. He's big. He can handle your questions. He can handle your anger. He can handle your doubts. You know? And Jesse, part of the story, you know, I lost a son in 2008. And my older son said something to me that was very profound because I was so angry about losing Kyle one of his friends had gone with him to get drugs after we had buried his uncle. And I, when I found out, it was like, no way, no way he can be a pallbearer. I told Matt, nip, nip, not happening. And Matt said, mom, you need to forgive him. God already has. And Jesse, I physically felt a weight lift off of me. And it was like, Sweetheart, I'm going to have to pray about that. And the next day, I was able to call that young man and say, Darling, am I angry and disappointed? Absolutely. But you're carrying a heavier load than I am because you got to look in the mirror every day and know that you were with him. Whether you took him or went with him doesn't matter. But you were with him when he made that fateful decision. And here's what I know. He loved you like a brother and he'd want you there. I couldn't have done that on me. That was God forgiving me because I turned and said, Lord, I don't know how to do it, but you do. Walk me through this. Teach me. Help me because I'm angry, you know? So I think it's when we truly approach God and give it to him and say, look, I need your help. I can't do this. And in the midst of this COVID and isolation, the mask and distancing and all this other stuff, I'm a people person. I want to love on you and hug on you. You know, thank God we can see face to face. But I'd love to sit right next to you and say, oh, Jesse, you know, life is good. Even in the midst of chaos, regardless of who's running for president, whether we like him or not, or whatever the political stuff is going on, or the racial, God forbid, unrest and brutality with policemen and stuff. God is still good. And he works all things together for the good of those who love the Lord. And most of us don't realize that 
all those things he works together. Does he set it up? No. The enemy comes to steal, kill, destroy. That's John 10, 10. But Jesus said, I came to give abundant life. So I tell folks, put the enemy in the left hand, liar. He's the liar, father of lies, steal, kill, destroy. Put Jesus in the right hand and put abundant life there. And when somebody is saying, but God did this, he killed my brother, my mom, my whatever. And all I ask is that steal, kill, destroy, or is that abundant life? Who had a hand in that part of the equation? And it changes your perspective when you start thinking about Jesus being about life, about God loving us so much. He sings over us, invites us to dance with him and drink from his river of delights. He calls us the apple of his eye and he loves us so much. He's the only one that can live out 1 Corinthians 13 because I'm going to fall short of it every single day, mm. every single day. When you just shared that, Susan, about forgiving I felt that in every inch of my body. I think every single hair I have stood on end and even some of the ones I don't have stood on end. <laughs> I felt goosebumps, chills, everything. And <clears throat> I, I felt it for several reasons. I remember seeing, there's a movie and there's a book too. I, I read the book and it's one of the rare instances where I think the movie's actually a little bit better in the book called Heaven is for Real. Yeah. Really sweet story about this kid who has a, uh, experience essentially dies on the operating table and he recounts his story of meeting Jesus and and tells this whole story of how he saw his parents in a hospital crying heard the things the doctor was saying all these types of things and it's this really beautiful tale of, of questioning of faith and the in the movie Greg Kinnear I think plays the father and there's a scene in the movie where a one of the ladies who is part of the church a very devout member of the church and it was either her her son or her husband had died and they have this moment where she confesses to Greg Kinnear who's the pastor and the father of the, the little kid that she was so angry at God one time she just stopped you know talking and then he responded with something to the fact that's okay God can take it and I remember just sitting in the theater and sobbing because that had come at a time where I had couple of years prior, I'd lost my friend to suicide. I'd lost my dad unexpectedly after he'd just been promised more time. And just a few weeks before that, my best friend had been killed in a car accident. And right after my best friend was killed in a car accident, um, my relationship I'd been in was falling apart. And that seemed to be a pattern too, because I had had a, another relationship ended when my friend had, had uh, taken his life. So I had two relationships now ending with two you know, my very dear friend and my very best friend passing away. And I remember having this point of just being so angry, like, you know, where, where's, where's the lesson in all this? And it was like, it was a little bit of line almost gave me some space of forgiveness of self for my behavior. Right. I'm wondering, Susan, I think I talked to a lot of people right. and I would say without fail, one of the biggest things, if not the biggest thing, that holds people back in their life and having a life that's more filled with love, joy, abundance, happiness 
is their inability to forgive. Yes, I agree. Right? And it's, it's something that I see it, and it'll be for things that happened, whether it happened five months ago, five weeks ago, or 50 years ago. It is this unwillingness to forgive and it's or unwillingness or inability to, and it's, there's just almost this line drawn in the cement of what happened and how life now will never be better because of what happened. And I think that then societally, we're getting to a really kind of interesting space where we're starting to almost reinforce that, right? Well, you are what happened to you, et cetera, et cetera. I'm wondering for you, so somebody who, and I want to come back to your faith in just a moment, but somebody who might not have your faith or at least have the, the, the strength and faith as you have, how do they start to learn to either one turn to God to draw on the ability to forgive or how do they start to learn how to find that space in their heart to forgive? That's a really great question. You know, I'm going to go two points. Okay. Unforgiveness is like drinking poison and waiting for it to affect the other person. It's not about them. It's about you. Unforgiveness is killing you from the inside out. It's killing you from the inside out. It is poison that is eating at your soul, spirit, body, mind. It physically causes disease. I mean, that's just the reality. We know that there's so many things that it causes stress. We know what stress does to us, but it eats you from the inside out. And forgiveness is not about them. It's about you. Mm. So it's, what is this for you? Not for them. You're not excusing them. You're not excusing them. You're not saying, oh, never mind. It was no big deal. That is not what forgiveness is. They're held accountable for what they've done to you or what's been done to you. Forgiveness is simply untying yourself from that which holds you back. Hmm. And if you consider untying yourself, did you just see an anchor hit the ground of the ocean or the floor of the ocean? Did you see the raft start floating away? Did you see it become free and untethered? Now it can go where it's designed to go instead of being held back and constricted. Forgiveness is for you to heal. It's not for you to look back. And I look at it this way. An event does not define you. How you respond to it does. So choose to untie yourself from the event because that's all it was. And look forward instead of living your life in reverse. I want to talk about your faith, Susan. Okay. Have you always been this strong and convicted in your faith? No. So do you mind just touching a little bit on your journey into it then? Because it's I, I find it so and I don't know if inspiring is the right word, but whatever I'm emotionally experiencing right now, as I share this space with you, it is incredibly something. I feel it. And I feel the, I, I, it's, yeah, it, it may, you know, for lack of my language, my language is failing me right now, but it's incredibly inspiring to see someone who's so strong and, and has such 
an anchor in their faith. And so I'm wondering if you might share just a little bit about the journey into that. I'll be happy to, you know, I grew up in a house that did go to church until I got to college age. And then it was like, don't have to do that anymore. I'm, good. <laughs> I'm free. And then I had children and we were back in church. When I was in my fifties, Jesse, before I realized there had to be more than sitting in a pew, standing, sitting, singing, and saying just some, some words. There had to be more. And when, when I lost my sister's suicide many years ago, I mean, the boys were teenagers and we went to church. They may or may not have gone with me. I don't remember. But when I lost my sister, I had an encounter that changed everything. And I call it my pivot point. I physically felt a caress. I heard the loud, audible voice of the Lord speak such love to me. And then the peace that the, the ancient words say passes understanding. I don't know if I was encapsulated, encased, whatever. There's no earthly words to describe it. But that peace, I've never felt that peace before or since. And that pivoted me as who is this God that mm. loves me so much? I now know that my sister is in heaven with him. I know that. I know that. And if I know that, how do I support it? How do I document? How does this make sense? How? Who? Who is this God? So I went on that journey of, yeah, I knew about this guy, but more, I want to know this God. Mm. So that's where it started from is tragedy and loss, you know? I find it so incredible that it's, it's like the faith, your faith has bookended these significant moments in your life where it starts with the tragedy of losing your sister. And then it, and please forgive me if I'm putting words in your mouth, I don't want to incorrect me, but it right. sounds like then it, it, it guided and even saved you from being consumed by anger and unforgiveness when you lost your son. Yes, it did. It did. I mean, it was still a very deep black hole that I had to learn how to navigate through. And you, you understand coming out of that deep despair yourself. But when there's a little light that you can look up to, there's a little hope and light shatters the deepest darkness, even a little pinpoint of light. You know, and Jesus is defined as the light of the world. And the bright morning star. So if I look up to that light versus down in defeat, because the enemy's under my feet, am I listening to him, the liar, or am I looking up to truth? And it says renew your mind daily. So I would look up a word. Yeah, it might be comfort. And I'd look up every scripture on comfort, you know, BibleGateway.com sort. <laughs> comfort search. <laughs> But that became, and for y'all that don't know, that's a great place to start. Look up a word, anger. If you're angry at God because somebody you love died, look it up. Look it up. You know, I think that's what's so key is what it, what's on your heart to know? What do you think? Now, how do you renew it with his truth? Mm. And that's what I had to do is this doesn't matter. 
my thinking didn't match this. So I had to renew my mind with the truth of God's word versus believing what the world told me. Shift. Hmm. You mentioned being in that dark place and looking up and seeing that light, that little bit of hope. Mm -hmm. For people right now, I think during this time, so it's August 12th of the recording, we're still, for many of us, in the midst of the COVID or the falling out of it or, you know, whatever that's had in our respective part of the world. And in addition to some of the earlier mentioned, the political unrest, the, the racial tensions, and here in the United States, there's all sorts of things, wars and genocides going around the world, child sex trafficking, you name it. There's some, there's some ugly, dark stuff going on globally and Many of us are suffering in our own lives, whether it's it's going through challenges related directly to COVID or whatever else it's going to. And the point of saying that is, is that I think many folks are in a, or might feel they're in a very dark place right now. And I'm wondering for those who are in that space and they're still struggling to see the light. They're still struggling to find it. They're still searching and looking for it. Or maybe they've they've glanced at it, but they're not wanting to acknowledge it or at all for them. Or maybe they, they, they're not quite ready to embrace it from a, from a faith perspective. Do you have any words for them and how they might go about seeking out and, and turning to and trusting in the truth of that light, that hope that's there for them? You know what? I, I think the best thing then would be what Lee Strobel did, you know, in a very dark place. He said, okay, I'm not ready. I don't believe I'm going to do a two year journey to say you're wrong. There is no God. And he spent two years studying. He's a journalist that documented everything. That was his forte. But what he found is he dug through everything. You know, I think look at looking into it yourself versus what somebody else has to say is the most important thing. So you base your decision on truth, on the truth of what you know. Do you know it or have you heard it? Did you learn it for yourself or was it word of mouth? So I would just say, you know, get on an online app and look for yourself to see what it says. Do I have an answer? No, if you're not ready to explore your faith, you know, that's your decision and not mine. And I can't make you do anything. I can pray that your heart would be softened and your eyes would be opened and you'd have ears to hear. Because here's the deal. You might not believe in God, but he believes in you. Hmm. And he trusted you with a life and he wants you to do something. And his plan for you is beautiful and it's good. So if I look up to that truth in the midst of this chaos, because I don't like isolation, I don't like being alone. And I understand being challenged in this time with everything that's going on. But I would say renew your mind and find out for yourself. Don't believe what somebody else told you. That's all I got on that one. Susan, I have a million other questions I want to ask you, and you're you're one of those folks that I I think every every inch of the word storyteller is is so true. Like I could just sit here talking to you for hours. 
Unfortunately, we only have a couple minutes left. And so before I ask my final question, where can people find you online? Susan B. Like Boy Mead. So SusanBMead.com is my website. I post occasionally. Uh, Facebook would be author Susan B. Mead. No, just uh, author Susan B. Mead or at Susan B. Mead would be the easiest way to do that. Perfect. And that's the best place to find me. Or on Amazon, Susan B. Mead. Susan, this has been such an incredible conversation. And I'm always, <clears throat> I'm, I shouldn't say I'm always, I'm very curious right now for you. You, you to me radiate this certain amount of love, of certainty, of mm -hmm. kindness, of, of compassion. What, when you start your day and you end your day, what is it that you say to yourself or what is the first thing you think or you say, do you have a, a prayer or a ritual that you begin and end your day with? I'm, I'm really curious about that. You know what? Most days it's like, Ooh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Good morning. Good morning. Unless it's the puppies barking really. Fast. <laughs> <laughs> I might get distracted a little bit. <laughs> yeah. When you get too serious, you got to laugh every now and then, too. Yeah. You know, but at the end of the day, I want to go to sleep with truth. I want to be reading something that's got value in it for me, that's redeeming to me, that helps put me in the right frame of mind so that my sleep is restful, you know? Hmm. So I don't read the war stories in here that... <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh Susan, this is so incredible. And everyone, my goodness, is this a is this one you're gonna to want to listen to and rewatch? And if I can invite you to do something when you re-listen, rewatch, or as you may have already done so, try not to listen for the words, but try to observe your own feeling, your own physical experience as you go through this journey with Susan. She kept saying that T word, truth. And what I found myself several times in this conversation with her is I felt truth. I felt a certainty. I felt there was, there was a, physical, a physical shift within me when she was saying certain things. None so powerful as she was talking about the pallbearer and offering the forgiveness to the gentleman around her son's, her son's passing. We start off with the conversation on what is love and the power of love and separating that love's not so much about you, but it's about being of service to others. It's about what you can give, not what you can get. It's about what you can give, not what you can take. And that was really a, such a profound aha. And, and on that had been 13 years in the waiting for me and cleared up something that I had often wondered very much on. We went on this, this incredible journey of faith and how the power of forgiveness and the difference between forgiveness and unforgiveness. And that unforgiveness is like drinking the poison, waiting for someone else to die. You know, then the idea that not forgiving, withholding forgiveness, it is often the number one thing that will cause people to stay stuck and hold them back from experiencing boundless joys of love, fulfillment, happiness, and fun in life because we attach so much meaning to what happened in the past and we don't change the meaning of what it can mean for us in the present. Something I appreciate so much about Susan is her honesty and her forthcoming and her journey of faith. 
it's easy to see someone and observe her when she's talking from this place of faith and just say that she must, she's so unbelievably grounded and strong in it that it must just be who she's always been, that she was born into it. And it was just, it was literally bred into her, but in fact, it was quite not true. She went to church, did the obligatory standing and kneeling, which I think a lot of us have probably done if we've been to church or I've been to church for just even tried it out, dipped our toes in the water. But it wasn't until her 50s that she felt something different, that she decided to go on that truth journey, as she was saying. And I say that because I think that's so important for all of us, that no matter what age we are in our lives, we, there's always a perfect time, like right now, to seek a greater truth, to seek a greater, something greater than ourselves, to ask the questions of, is this all there is, or what more is there? What more can I explore? What more can I learn? Where can I go deeper? And whether that's an exploration of self, exploration of God, of faith, whatever that is for you, do not be afraid and do not shy away from seeking and trusting in truth. Oftentimes, I think whether, whether you choose to believe that it's God whispering or it's the universe or whatever your belief is, we all feel and experience these silent whispers. That's that feeling of certainty that washes over us that emerges like a calmness as Susan described. I think one of the most beautiful gifts that we could all give ourselves is to learn to trust in that to learn to trust in that and in trusting in that we can also then trust in the hope that comes in the light so many of us are in the dark right now and if you are trust in that you have some incredible people that have been there and they too have been able to emerge from it and if they can so can you and if you're one of the ones that finds yourself on the outside of the dark you're in more of the light do not be shy about going into the dark and seek out those that you love and care about and help shine the light for them to follow the path that you may have once followed to travel out. Help them find their way too. You know, it becomes, I think, the ultimate gesture of community in that when we can do and offer that to others. Susan, gosh, this has been such a gift. I really mean it. I think that I could, this just, my soul feels good from chatting with you today. It really, really does. I think it feels better than good. It feels just, I felt and experienced love today with you i just i wish we had more time than we do right now and i thank you so very much for being here thank you my honor jesse thank you so very much absolutely we will see you next time everyone on another edition of a handful of hope bye-bye thank you so much for listening if you're finding value in these conversations please rate and review on apple google stitcher or wherever your favorite place is to listen to